Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Philippians chapter 2 as we continue in the series called The Secret of Joy and really trying to figure out how Paul, while in prison, having been beaten and having traveled all over the known world and getting in trouble as he talks about Jesus, how he can give us in this one letter the secret of joy and how we can make it through life all of the ups, all of the downs, everything in between, and how we can keep that perspective of having joy. And the title of the message today is, It's Okay to Act Out. Now that's certainly something you'd never want to tell a small child. Uh, you don't want to tell, tell a child or your child, unless it's your grandchild, then you don't care. But you never want to tell a kid it's okay to act out, you know, to act up or to just, you know, do whatever you want to do and, and, and it's okay. You, you just wouldn't want to say that to a kid. Unless, of course, it's a fourth grader that went to and goes to Valley View Elementary School in Bountiful, Utah. This young man named William McLeod showed up on Wednesday as the only kid in fourth grade with ashes on his forehead and the sign of a cross. He goes to school on Ash Wednesday with the ashes on his head, and of course kids are laughing at him, they're making fun of him, they're asking questions, and he's telling the kids, you know, I'm Catholic, this is Ash Wednesday, and he goes through the whole uh, explanation of why he has these ashes on his forehead. And Everything seemed to be going okay until his teacher saw it, pulled him aside and told William that he'd have to wipe that off of his head. He went through the same explanation that he went through with all of his classmates, with his teacher, and finally she just looked at him face to face and literally said, it's inappropriate, take it off. And William was forced to wipe the ashes off of his head by his teacher unless he got in trouble for that at school. And of course, that story spread like wildfire. Here's a fourth grader giving a representation and a witness to what Jesus did for us on the cross. And is told by a teacher, it's inappropriate. You know, there are certain cases and there are many places in the world where it is okay to act out. As long as we're acting out for Jesus, it's okay to be an example, it's okay to be a witness, and it is always okay to walk in the footsteps of our Savior. The only problem is, it might cost us something. It might cost us a job. It might cost us some embarrassment. It might cost us some reputation among our friends, and it may cost us some awkward situation with someone in charge. But is that cost worth it? And though it might be okay to act out, is it worth it and is it a cost that we're willing to pay? Now here's Paul, sitting in a Roman prison, writing to a group of people in a church, in the church in Philippi. A church that literally got started and was catapulted in Philippi with the Philippian jailer and his family and that church sprung out of open doors in a prison and Paul is telling these people 
it's okay to act out. It's okay even if you land up in prison, even if you end up there and you are ashamed or you are beaten or you are made a public ridicule, it's okay. Because as he's already said in this letter, everything that's happening to me is advancing the gospel. And friend, it's okay if you're a fourth grader in Utah and you're told by your teacher to wipe those ashes off of your head because that story is going to be repeated in pulpits all over America on Sunday morning. As an encouragement to say, if that's the worst thing that ever happens to any person in America for giving evidence of being a follower of Christ, it's okay. The problem is, in America, and, a, and certainly around the world, that's not the worst that's happening. But it's okay when it is advancing the gospel. My question to you this morning is this. Are you willing to act out for Jesus? No matter what the cost. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us how and why we should do just that. If you found Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19 this morning, and you're able to, would you stand in the honor of reading God's Word? The Bible says in verse 19, through the end of the chapter, Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you, to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concern for your welfare for they all seek their own interest not those of Jesus Christ but you know Timothy's proven worth how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me and I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor, such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are beyond blessed to have this opportunity to freely gather in this place and to sing praises to you, to hear your word proclaimed, and God, to respond in a way that brings glory and honor to Jesus. And I pray, God, that you would add your blessings and that your Holy Spirit would move during this time together in your word. And God, may we truly leave this place changed and willing to act out for Jesus no matter what the cost. We pray all of these. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. 
Again, this passage of Scripture not only teaches us how to act out, but it shows us through two men and Paul the example of doing exactly that. You see, in this text, we see two steps that Paul gives to us that are essential in order to be a true witness for Christ. And if you've ever been afraid, or you've ever wondered, or you've ever thought in your own, in your own mind, in your own heart, is it worth it to step out and to be different? And to be a witness for Christ. Listen to how Paul describes these two men and their journey not only with him, but for the sake of this church in Philippi. The first thing I want you to notice in this text of Scripture is the Bible teaches us to act out of a genuine concern. You see, friend, before we ever do anything for Jesus, before we ever serve in the church, there has to be this growing concern in our heart because that's where the want to comes from. We have to look at people different. We have to look across the pews in our own church differently. We've got to look to the cross of Jesus passionately and compassionately and then see the world through the lens of the cross. That's how Paul saw the world after he came to know Jesus. And he sees that in these two men. He notices this genuine concern when he says in verse 19, he said, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. You see, Paul was saying that he is praying about and he is hoping in the Lord to send Timothy. That means that he's watching this church and he's listening to what's going on. And he wants to, if it be the Lord's will, to send Timothy to them to make a difference. Now again, you have to put yourself in Paul's jail cell for just a moment. And you have to imagine that here is a man who would want to be there personally, but because of the chains and the bars and the guards and the Roman Empire, he is forced to stay in this jail. And so the best that he can do personally is writing this letter. And this letter, by the way, inspired by God, is one of Paul's letters that made it into, thanks be to God, into the New Testament to encourage us today. But Paul doesn't stop there. He could just write a letter and he could just encourage the church and he could send a messenger and, and just really give a shot in the arm to the church. But then he says, but I'm praying in the Lord and I hope by the grace of God to be able to send two men to you also. You see, it's one thing to say I'm praying for you. It's another thing to say, what can I do for you? In a sense, Paul's letter is that exchange that we have with people all the time. We hear how they're feeling. We take note of what they're going through. We see some problem, some challenge, and we say to them, with all sincerity, I'll be praying for you. That's what Paul's doing in this letter. But he takes it a step further. And he says, not only do I want to encourage you, not only do I want to pray for you, but I want somebody to physically be there because I can't. That's doing something for someone. We have to match our words with our action. It's okay to say to someone, I'm going to be praying for you that God meets your needs, and then follow that up with saying, what can I do for you? 
what is it that I can do right now, right here today, to make a difference in your life? Some of you enjoy watching the NFL. National Football League, professional football. And if I said this name, some of you would instantly have a highlight reel in your head of a wide receiver named Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice was one of the greatest wide receivers, and for those of you that don't care about football, he's the one that catches the ball running down the field. Okay, I'm just making sure. By the way, my sweet daughter needs all the lessons in sports that she can get. You remember last week I told you that she thought Mexico was on another continent? She comes home last night and she said, well, Dad, we had a good time tonight with, with my friends. We were, out, we were out there shooting baseball. I said, what? She said, you know, we were out there, we were out there shooting baseball. I said, honey, that's hitting, hitting the baseball. Oh, yeah, whatever, you knew what I meant. She's precious. Again, she said to me, Rick, why don't you ever talk about me in the sermon? I throw these things in there and she turns red. I don't understand. But Jerry Rice, back to football, is the one that catches the ball running down the field. Jerry Rice holds many of the National Football League's receiving records. One of the greatest, if not the greatest, wide receiver to ever play in the National Football League, and yet he went to Mississippi Valley State to play college football. He was asked during the prime of his career, Jerry, why did you go to Mississippi Valley State? You're one of the greatest wide receivers to have ever played professional football. You know what he said? He said, of all the big-time schools that came and, and called on me and and, and sent letters and recruited me like UCLA and all the big schools. He said Mississippi Valley State University was the only university that sent someone to my house to see me. That's where he ended up going to school. We underestimate the value of personal contact. We underestimate the value of being face-to-face -face with someone in this digital age of digital communication to look somebody eyeball-to-eyeball -eyeball and to say to them, what can I do for you? Oh, we don't mind emailing or texting or calling somebody and telling them that we'll be praying for them, but it takes something special to get face-to-face -face with someone whose life is broken and look them in the face and say, I want to meet a need that you have, and I want to do something today. And Paul said, sitting in this jail cell, I want to do more than just pray. I want to do more than just write a letter. I want to do all that I can. I want to pray and pray heaven down for the Spirit to move, but I also want to do something tangible in the Lord. I want to send these men to you. He goes on to say, I hope to send Timothy to you. And in verse 20 he says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. When Paul said no one like him, that phrase literally says no one of equal soul. Paul's not just saying there's nobody like Timothy on the planet. He's saying there's nobody that shares the same concern that I have for you on this planet like Timothy. 
So even though Paul can't be there, he's sending Timothy, who has the same heart, the same concern, and the same desire to meet needs in this church. Church, let me ask you a question. When you look somebody in the face and they look back at you, do they see in your eyes, in your heart, in your passion, and in your compassion, are they staring back at someone with equal soul of the person of Jesus Christ? Because see, when Jesus looks at you, he sees someone for whom he died. He sees someone whose life is broken without him. He looks at you and he says, I would go to the cross and die. And in fact, I did 2,000 years ago so that you can be set free from sin. And I'm telling you, when Paul sent Timothy, he said, there's nobody that will stare in your eyeballs who you will see the passion and compassion for you like him. And people in Adair County, people around the world, need to look eyeball to eyeball with Christians and need to look at you when you say, what can I do to make a difference in your life? How can I pray for you? How can I serve you? And how can I make a difference for you today? And people need to stare back and see, not you, but they need to see Jesus staring at them with eyes of passion and compassion. Paul can't wait to send Timothy. He says, For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know, verse 22, Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. You see, Timothy put his words into action. Timothy lived up to the billing that Paul is giving him. Timothy actually lived out his faith. And Paul said, it's okay, Timothy, as his son, it's okay to act out for Jesus because you have a genuine concern for the souls of people that are lost. You have a genuine heartbroken concern for the health of the church. You see this community the way Jesus sees it. And when he sends Timothy, he is sending the best. If you were sent into a situation where families were broken, where some believer was hurting, when some non-Christian had questions, when some college student said, I just can't make sense of the world, if some family was about to fall apart and they turned to you and said, can you help me? Can you point our family to Jesus? Would you be of help? You see, it starts with a genuine concern for people. You may not have all the answers. You may not be a licensed therapist. You may not be a licensed counselor. And God's not asking you to be. He's asking you to represent His Son and point people to Jesus. And so I have a challenge for you this week. Find somebody. Find anybody who's going through something and they need to be encouraged. Find somebody whose life is broken. Find somebody who needs to know about Jesus. Find somebody who has questions and they need someone to point them to Jesus and ask them two things. How can I pray for you? And how can I serve you? Maybe they just need somebody to sit down and listen 
over lunch or over a cup of coffee. Maybe they just need to vent and just get some things off their chest. Maybe they have a spiritual question and you can begin the process of helping them. Though you may not know everything about the Bible, you can point them to Jesus. And you know people in this church and in this community that can help you to find the answers in Scripture that you need. You have a loving church family that you can invite them to and say, come and be part of what God is doing in our church. But you have to have genuine concern and you have to be willing to act out. So ask somebody this week, how can I pray for you? And how can I serve you? And Paul says it's okay to act out of a genuine concern. But then secondly, in describing Epaphroditus, Paul says it's okay to act out of a gifted calling. You see, not only do we need to have a genuine concern, but there's also a giftedness that you have that somebody in our community needs. You see, when Paul said, I'm sending Timothy to you because he has a similar concern and an equal concern for you that I have, he said, but I'm also sending this other guy to you, and he's pretty awesome himself. His name is Long. I'd like to have seen his name tag. Epaphroditus. Many of us can't even spell it or pronounce it. But this guy was a rock star. This guy was a superstar in the Christian community, and Paul was blessed to be able to send him. Yes, Timothy was a son. But Epaphroditus was a stud. This guy, the way Paul describes him, could have walked into any church and instantly have been the chair of any committee. He could have walked into any church setting and instantly said, all right, now here's how we're going to do this and here's how this ministry needs to get done. This would have been a guy that every church would have been blessed to have. Listen how Paul describes him. He says in verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. First of all, he says, my brother. Now that says a lot right there. This was a guy that Paul considered to be a brother in the faith. Someone that he not only grew as a relationship with, but also as a disciple. Paul was able to pour into Epaphroditus and see that that mentoring just exponentially explode as he poured into Epaphroditus and Epaphroditus took his walk with Christ and did wonderful things for the body of Christ. But then he calls him your messenger. That is, Epaphroditus is willing to leave where he is and go where he's needed. You see, a lot of us miss the boat right there. Now, we don't mind being considered a believer in Christ. And hopefully that's why we're here today. But you see, a messenger is one that takes a message from where they are to where it's needed. You realize that there are places all over the globe that need what you have. There are places and homes in Adair County that need to know what you know. There are people that you go to school with. There are people that you work with. There are people that you pass in Walmart all the time that need to hear life's answers 
that are locked away in your head and in your heart. And Paul says, this guy is my brother. I've discipled him. He has helped me. He is a blessing, and I am sending him to you because he is a believer in Christ. But he's also a messenger because he's going to take the message of the gospel, the message of hope, and the message of joy where he is, and he's leaving that place to go to where that message is needed. But then he describes this stud by saying that he is a fellow soldier. Now for those of you that have served in the military, you know the value of following orders. You know the value of saying, yes sir. Of saying, I'll go. Of saying, this is my responsibility and this is what I'm called to do. Epaphroditus clicked his heels together, stood up straight, had his uniform on and said, I'm ready to go. He was fully equipped with the armor of God as a brother in Christ, as a messenger of the gospel, and as a soldier following orders to go anywhere and everywhere he was commanded to go. If I read to you the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, the last things that Jesus said that was recorded in the Gospel of Matthew before he ascended into heaven, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all things that I have taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What part of that doesn't sound like a divine order from God? To stand up straight, to have the armor of God on, and to go wherever God is leading us to go. Oh, I'm too afraid. What if they ask me something I don't know? What if somebody makes fun of me? What if they laugh? And What if I lose my job? What if I'm kicked out? What if I lose a friend? Friend, what if somebody said yes to Jesus? Wouldn't it make it all worth it to be a soldier of the cross to know that you are marching through the very gates of hell to snatch people from the fire? All because Jesus saved you. And I'm telling you, it's okay to follow those orders and to do exactly what we're called to do because Jesus paved the way. Paul in chapter 2 has already told us, let this mind which was in Christ also be in you. And described how Jesus laid his life down for the sake of your salvation and begs the church to do the same. That's the calling that you have. There's a, a man who was in prison for six months in Iran. Iran's one of the most dangerous countries in the world. Anti-Jew, anti-Christian, anti-Jesus. And Morad saw 20 people executed in his six months in this prison in Iran. 
He said they announced it through the speakers in the loudspeakers in prison. He said, some of these people had been in my cell. It was heartbreaking to see the fear of death in their eyes. He said, prison was a terrible, terrible place. He said, in that prison, it was just me, the door, and three walls. Sometimes the guards brought me tea, but they didn't even let me go to the bathroom. All because he taught the Bible in school and was locked in jail for six months. As of 2016, several years ago, there were at least 90 Christians imprisoned throughout Iran. Fifteen of them were serving their sentence in the same prison in which Morad was placed. They called it the black hole of evil. They also called it the torture factory. One inmate who got out said, one day is like a year inside that prison. He said, some days you can't even breathe because you don't know what's going to happen to you the next day. He said, the stress is too much. We can't be the same people. We don't enjoy activities like normal people because all the time we think of those who, who are still there. North Korea is number one of all of the countries on the planet against Christianity. There was a young lady who was in prison who no longer has a name. She just has a number. She says, I am prisoner number 42. She said that she was born in North Korea and the first thing they took away from her was her name. Every morning at 8 a.m. they call her number and she has to crawl on her elbows through a cat flap in the door. She said when she stands up, she's not allowed to look at the guards. She has to put her hands behind her back, follow the guards to the interrogation room, and every single day for an hour, they ask her a barrage of questions. Why were you in China? Because that's where she was arrested. Who do you go to meet? Do you have a church? Did you have a Bible? Did you meet any South Koreans? Are you a Christian? Over and over and over again for an hour each day, they barrage her with these questions. She said, they will murder me in this North Korean prison. Every day, she said, I'm beaten and kicked. It hurts the most when they hit my ears. My ears ring for hours, sometimes days. At the end of the day, they bring me back to my cell. It's warm during the day and it's cold at night. The space is so small I can barely lie down. It isn't often that I even get to lie down. They force me to sit on my knees with closed fists and never allow me to open them. I am in solitary confinement here in this North Korean prison camp because they believe that I believe in God. And she does. She is a born-again child of God, and that is her daily existence. And you might sit here and think, why not lie? Why not tell them, I don't know Jesus, and walk out of that prison a free person? Because this lady and so many others are soldiers of the cross. And the last thing they want to do is turn their back against the one who laid his life down for their freedom. And here we sit as a church. And so many times our sacrifice is so small. 
Sometimes what aggravates us is so insignificant. Sometimes we get so irritated at little meaningless decisions in the church or things that happen in our life seem astronomical when if our perspective changed just a little, they would seem like nothing. And there are people today sitting in jail cells all over the world for the same name that we just sang about just a few moments ago. And they are there because they love Jesus. And there are more people who would be willing to go to prison if they only knew the name of Jesus would set them free. Not from a jail cell, but from eternity in hell. And friend, as a soldier of the cross, as a brother or sister in Jesus, there are people that are locked in a spiritual prison in Adair County, and you are the only hope, and Jesus is the only key. And they are waiting for you to bring to them the good news that will unlock their soul and set them free. They're waiting for you to act out of a genuine concern and the gifted calling that God has given to us and to see people set free. And it's up to you to take those marching orders and say, Jesus, I'll follow. I'll go. If no one else wants to, God, you can count on me. If it costs me a job, if it puts me in prison, if it costs my reputation, if people think that I'm nuts, if people don't want to talk to me anymore just simply because I ask them, how can I pray for you? How can I serve you? Can I tell you about Jesus? Then to God be the glory because if it leads one person to Christ, it's all worth it. But we have to be willing to act out for Jesus. And my question to you this morning is simple. Are you willing to act out for Jesus? You see, Jesus Christ died for your sins. That is a message that you've heard, and I pray that you've trusted in. And church, there might be somebody either listening to this message today, in this building, or on the radio who's never given your life to Jesus Christ before you've never said to Jesus I'm a sinner I don't want to trust me I don't want to trust myself I don't want to trust what I can do because my efforts will never get me to heaven I want to trust in Jesus I want to give him all that I have and I want to receive salvation that God has provided that is free and I want to be born again. Friend, if that's your decision today, if you've never made that decision, turn from your sin and from your selfishness today and turn to Jesus and trust in Him. If you know somebody that has never made that decision, find somebody this week and share that message of hope with them. And in just a moment, we're going to have a time to respond. Now listen to me carefully. If you've never given your life to Jesus, this is an opportunity for you 
to respond. You can share with me. You can turn to the person next to you. You can fall on your face and on your knees before God and cry out to God to save you and to turn from your sin and to trust in Him. You can do that today. I'll be standing right here. You can just leave your seat in just a moment and share that decision with me and we'll rejoice together in what God is doing in your life. But listen, church, if you've already made that decision, you've already trusted in Christ and you are a fellow believer in Jesus, Maybe today you need to become a soldier. Maybe today you need to answer that divine call on your life and to listen to Jesus and to follow His orders. If that's your calling today, if God is calling you to make a difference in someone's life, don't let this moment pass without saying yes to Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time together. God, we thank you for the wonderful calling that you placed in the life of the Apostle Paul and on Timothy and on Epaphroditus and the way, Father, in which you use them to make a difference for your kingdom. Father, today, we stand as fellow soldiers of the cross shoulder to shoulder with people like Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, for those that have served in this church in generations past and with those that are serving today. God, may you put the cross before us. May you stir the Holy Spirit within us. And God, may you help us to put one foot in front of the other and follow in the footsteps of Jesus to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Father, if there is just one that needs to respond to Jesus today, would you call them to yourself? By your Spirit, Father, would you lead them to come to Jesus and repent of their sin and turn and trust in Him? God, we thank you for the gift of Jesus. May we glorify Him today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walkthisway on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.